the Wildlife Observer Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Brothers and Birding. I'm with my homie, my brother, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing great. And you? You know, I'm holding on. Tony, Tony, Tone. Um, I hear that you have some, well, I mean, social media has been a really great way to keep in touch with everyone. But I know, personally, you have some, you had a really great achievement yesterday. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, I finally defended my master's thesis uh, after a five-year delay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was all but thesis for five years. Um, mm-hmm. It's really inexcusable. I, I could have done it. Um, in fact, when I decided to like finish the thesis, I um, I spent all this time doing all these extra – not saying extra stats. At the time, I did not know they are extra stats. I did all these stats, analysis, um, lit review, all this stuff. And then when I finally like sent it out to my committee and I had, um, you know, my meeting, uh, my meeting with my committee, um, when we finally reconvened after so many years, they basically told me to cut the majority of that out. <laughs> oh, so wow. the thesis that I had unfinished, that I left unfinished five, you know, well, four and a half years ago or whatever, I could have probably sent them that. And then they would have sent me some revisions and, um, and then I would have been done for, forever ago. Um, I just, it is one of the things where I build it up in my head to be this huge obstacle mm-hmm. as time passed. And um, yeah, I built it up as something it, it, it wasn't. And so just listen, learn, you know, just sometimes just spend a couple of weeks, um, you know, lock your, lock yourself in and, and, and bust the project out. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. wow. Well, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what the thesis was? So, uh, if I can remember my title correctly, it is... Uh, well, full disclosure, you just came, I mean, just yesterday, you defended it. So, I totally understand if you're all brainwashed. No, now, no, no, or... no, no, I'm fine. Um, mm-hmm. It's how invertebrate communities differ between native and invasive shrubs in Philadelphia green spaces. You know, the best part about that title is the word Philadelphia. just want to okay. say I'm a little biased on that. Um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, so for the layman, why, is, why does this matter? Why is this, why is this research important? So I'm a birder. Um, I have done field research with birds um, where you, you catch, capture the birds and then you band them. And I like doing that with waterfowl. But for songbirds, I found it very tedious and not enjoyable. So when I want, want to do a research project that serves the interests of birds, I wanted to do something about resources birds use rather than directly interfacing with the birds. Because first of all, waterfowl don't breed other than like Canada geese and, you know, wood ducks and like, furrow mallards and, uh, maybe some black ducks in this area, right? But nothing that I could really, uh, um, or, you know, study in numbers or, or have really the need to. Um, and uh, so I want to do something, where, you know, that didn't have to actually, you know, handle birds. And so I was looking at um, resources birds use, and there is a thought that native species of plant host more insects than alien invasives 
And the theory behind that is it makes sense. Insects are very small and they cannot process plant tissues from more than a few, you know, it's usually uh, they're very specific. Um, plants put a lot of um, leaf tissue is something plants want to not lose. I mean, they're not thinking this is just evolution, but so um, they, they put toxins in their leaves. And unless the insect has an shares an evolutionary history with that plant it generally can't turn its, you know, can't process its plant tissue. So alien species in our landscape do not have a suite of insects um, consuming your leaf tissue and therefore they're not producing more insects, right? So if you have alien plants in a landscape, but if they dominate a landscape, that means theoretically that there should be a, a reduction in a prey available for insect that makes sense. birds. That makes and, sense. and other than, um, other than, yeah, other than, uh, you know, things that take um, vertebrate prey, you know, things that take, you know, other than, you know, a, a, Birds of prey or things that take vertebrate, you know, the kingfishers or whatever, eating fish or, you know, generally almost every bird, even birds we think of as granivores, you know, things you're eating, the seeds at your feeder, they feed their young insects because their young need to grow rapidly. And adults eat a lot of insects as well. Hummingbirds eat a lot of insects, even as adults. Um, in fact, it could be, it could be the bulk of their calories. So, this is important information. And um, in Philadelphia, I noticed that we have the canopy foraging guild persists, right? So like Great Kester Flycatcher, American Red Start, Northern Perula, um, Red-Eyed Vireo. Oh, those are we, great birds. Right. And, and we have those present in breeding in Philadelphia. Uh, and, and for listeners who don't know, Philadelphia actually has a very large park system. Uh, one of the largest park systems of any city in the world. We have like, I think two of our, two or three of our parks make the top 20 or top 10 biggest municipal parks in the world. So we're very blessed in Philadelphia. So we have like, believe it. Yeah. Don't think about like, I'm not talking about like central park or like a, you know, like a, like a small, like a, you know, manicured landscape park. With some changes. I'm talking mm -hmm. about like, Thousands of acres of forest is what we're talking about here. Yeah. So, um, but we don't have, uh, where's the Kentucky warblers? Where's the hooded warblers? Where's the white-eyed vireo, right? Where are these, you know, eye-level foraging birds? Uh, they, they're, they're largely absent. So I got to think, well, what's the difference there? Well, the canopy is so mostly native species. The shrub layer is almost entirely alien. Could it, could it be? And there's a lot of other things too, like, um, we have a very intense deer pr uh, pressure. So it could just be that maybe the deer have browsed the understory so sparse um, that they just can't support these, these birds in numbers, right? The, the territory. So, so like, like there would be so many deer uh, getting rid of the native plants that that's why the invasives are winning. Right. And maybe like, you know, I didn't, you know, maybe I'm missing something with density. Cause for instance, when I go to Delaware water gap, mm -hmm. hooded warblers breed there. Um, it just up in the mountains. So people don't know uh, Philadelphia is located in Southeast Pennsylvania on uh, where we straddle the coastal plain in Piedmont. The Piedmont is, um, it's a French word for the foot of the mountain, you know, ped pedestrian, pe you know, foot, uh, foot and mount mountain. So wow. uh, we, we are um, in the, so part of Philadelphia is in the coastal plain and part of Philadelphia is in the Appalachian foothills. And 
when you get into Appalachians proper, you have um, hooded warblers and Kentucky warblers and some of these other um, uh, show foraging insectivores. And when you go to uh, uh, that, um, some sites in Jersey nearby, you, you get, you know, hooded Kentucky and, and wet eyed vireos uh, very close to Philadelphia within, you know, um, 20 miles of Philadelphia, you have those species. So what, what's the deal? Um, maybe it's just the fact that those, those areas are larger and even with intense deer browse, um, there's, you know, the areas are big enough that the, the species can persist or something else is there. But, you know, when you go to um, Bell Plain State Forest, the understory is, you know, thick with uh, sweet pepper bush and uh, uh, mountain laurel. So there's, you know, it that is sounds more- like a really good compliment too. <laughs> yeah, it, his accent was thick with sweet pepper bush. If that makes any sense, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like like someone like tasting notes. You know, they could take a sip of coffee or whiskey. You're like, hmm, exactly. Uh, like it sounds, it doesn't sound real, but it is. No, that's real. It's it's in your paper. It has to be real. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So you you're helping answer the question: How can we? bring bird diversity to Philadelphia, basically. Well, you know, my, my, why there's also my study. Um, I, I unfortunately, I can only find in the areas I was studying, I can only find, f- um, four species of shrub, uh, two native, two invasive. I wanted to do, uh, three of each, but I can only find, uh, really four species of shrub in enough numbers to, to sample. Um, the funny thing is, is Taiki asking me these questions, but Taiki was actually the, my field crew leader for the study. <laughs> yeah, full and disclosure. He got prominent <laughs> thanks. He got prominent thanks in my uh paper and was in my um there's literally a photo of him in my dissertation. Uh, and and I think whatever. And I think we're going to use that photo as like the podcast episode photo because I I I know that we we were we were thinking about a logo for this show but in lieu of that I'm just going to use old selfies that we reference. Yeah. In, yeah, well, in 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 episodes th- that will come, and it's a ep- uh, Robin's ripping up something pretty epic for us. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the logos and the graphic art. A lot of people have told me about uh, Wildlife Observer Network. They just love it. They were just like, it looks so real. It looks so authentic. It doesn't look like like I don't know how to explain it, but there's just like a corporate feel, you know, when you go to certain websites. Yeah, and then there's like a I know the people that made this kind of feel and. Uh, you know, a few friends have given uh, us compliments on the feel, uh, the the tone, and just like the nature of our website and our social media. So that's really exciting. On top of um, you know everything that's been going on, uh, I guess you know if if we're looking for good news, you know. Absolutely. Um, so I um, what was I going to say um, uh, you had to pick four. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it was um, spice bush and arrowwood viburnum are the natives. Multiflora rose and um, amur honeysuckle were the invasives. And, it, and wow, those are triggering. I can <laughs> I hear those. And I'm like, oh wow, I remember those. Some yeah, and just with those, those um, just amongst those four species, the the natives had significantly more um, insect availability than the um, alien species. Well, well, well. And for those who heard the word alien and had a thought about another podcast, yes, uh, there is a, you know, two part podcast where you, you and Phil, right, uh, talk about 
aliens and ecology yeah. and it's so it's so fascinating i was <laughs> we just gotta, thinking about that like, we gotta revisit oh, that one um uh, i gotta get the get the crew together for i think we're gonna uh touch on dragons next Ooh, and okay. um i'm gonna bring in uh dan duran for that who's a um He's a beetle expert. He's an entomologist. And there are some species of beetles within the group that he studies that actually um, they uh, generate um, uh, burning chemicals. Oh, wow. And they spray them. So they, they smoke and blister your skin. So, Oh, like human skin? Yeah. So it's, oh. uh, it's probably the, the nearest equivalent of an uh, animal um, producing like a Mm-hmm. you know fire <laughs> you know so that okay uh, all right i like that i like that yeah. um and, and to give you a memory that i can think of from being in the in the field for the research um so um at the environmental center that we were working at um you know there's a surrounding park and that was the park that had the shrubs that we were looking for and uh, like tony said we had those four and I, you know, to simplify the, the task, um, it, it was basically look for bugs and try to, um, you know, see on the shrub if there were any uh, observable insects. And then we would put them in jars, I believe. Uh, these things called whirl packs. Um, mm-hmm. Is that, hold on, is that me? I'm going to, let me uh, close as many windows as I can. I'm sorry. Um, all good. All good. Yeah. You know how that goes. That's why I tend to like Skype because I can close everything. I think I should. I could. I have Zoom on my computer. I should be able to close the uh, the browser. Yeah. 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 That's what I always do. I just yeah. downloaded it because I use uh, it so much now. Yeah. I just did that. So should be good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we would manually search the leaves with uh, tweezers, basically mimic bird foraging, and then we would record the time and do captures per. Um, do captures per um, um, sighting or uh, uh, captures you know? per per minute. Okay. Right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We <laughs> had a we had a cache, uh, a geocache, and a timer. And I remember, and I had I think I deputized one or two of the students, but it, it was, oh yeah, well yeah, a GPS uh, unit to to record uh, yeah. our spots. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a really great time. I mean, for me and them, like we felt like, you know, this is research. So we're not just out, you know, in the forest playing in the forest, which, you know, would have been fine. I enjoy that, especially for watching birds, but with uh, the students feeling attached to, you know, this is going to be published. This is, you know, for research um, when their initial thought of going out and looking for bugs was ill. And when they actually got out and started to participate and really start to invest in it and they start to really, become the you know i guess to most part fearless uh when it came down to bugs and that was something that i was really happy to see um and you know and then with teenagers being outside more they start to pick up more just like i did about birds they would pick up more about nature because while we were out they would also ask hey what's this i know it's not one of the four shrubs but you know what's this one and i'd be like oh it's mile a minute or that's poison ivy don't touch it um (laughs) and that was you know among the the great adventures of the many summers I, I spent um, doing that environmental ed work is just really rewarding to see like where it is now, you know, and now, you know, uh, it, in the picture you'll see, I have not a f- single facial hair on my face, but now <laughs> yeah, I almost have a beard that connects. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's funny. Um, 
um, you, uh, you, you went from adorable to handsome as you, as you aged. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, uh, I try to get haircuts twice a week or not twice a week, uh, every, every two weeks. Um, yeah. And that, that's really been my routine. That's been, that's been keeping it that way. You've very, you've grown very uh, into man looks very well. Thank you. Look at wrong. You've always very, a very, a very handsome man. You're always a very attractive man, but I feel like the, the man looks uh, really suit you. I appreciate that. It's because I grew into my ears. I like yeah. to give credit to the afro. It really makes my ears look smaller. So you know what? <laughs> you've been, you've met my friend Marco, right? Uh, I believe super handsome Italian guy from South Philly. Oh shoot! Yeah, what him, his wife, and his beautiful children. Oh yeah. what? Oh yeah. So years ago, um. My friend Marco, um, I might try to get him on to talk about watches um, for the gear episode. Um, although oh, nice. I don't know how much you'll see of him because it depends on how we'll record it because we can't do it in person. Yeah. Um, my friend Marco is unbelievably handsome. He looks like like a movie star. You know, he, he's like that classically handsome um, and a wonderful guy. And his wife looks like a movie star too. And his children look like you know out of central casting for like you know beautiful children. Anyway, so um, I met him in so. Uh, Marco has a younger brother who's like 10 years younger than him. And I met his brother uh, when he was still like a teenager. And I remember being like, he was a cute kid and all, but I remember being like, oh man, it must, it must suck to like grow up with like this like unbelievably handsome brother that like all the ladies go crazy about. And you're just like kind of like, you know, but you know, you're good looking dude and all. You're, you're his not, brother. That's you're not, <laughs> you're not like this, you know? And then, um, and then I saw a picture at their house of Marco when he was young. And I was like, oh, He's kind of a cute, but like not, you know, awkward little, you know, younger teenager. And then I saw his brother, like as he got into his twenties and it was mid, like so he's, I was like, he, then he got totally like unbelievably handsome too. And I was like, Oh, I get it. Like it's the man looks. You know I mean? Oh, they have to grow into it. See that, 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 that kind of patience comes with wisdom, you know? Yeah. And I just want to say it to all the middle school bullies and um, you know who you are out there. If you hated on me then, look at me now. I grew into my ears. I finally put on deodorant and I wear lotion. So, you know, I'm definitely the glow up uh, uh, poster child of at least young men with big ears. Um, you've seen that Bill Burr skit about lotion, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've actually been learning so much about um, skincare because the... Uh, the scar that I have from surgery on my ankle uh, likes to be funny, and by yeah. funny, I don't mean tell jokes. It just randomly hurts. So. Oh, I, 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 I have some scars. I know. I feel your pain, literally. Oh man! Um, so Bill Bird know that there was a a super secret lotion that only white people knew about that actually heals like flesh. It's called Aquifer. I don't even know about this. Oh man! See, I, I thought I thought black folks were the experts on lotion. Well, I only get lotion that's melanin colored. This uh, lotion came from like a white bottle. Um, uh, and it, you know, my girlfriend gave it to me and it, it repaired my foot amazingly. This is not a sponsored message, but <laughs> Aquifer uh, uh, foot lotion changed everything. It's, it was almost like petroleum jelly on my <laughs> scar. So it's not, it wasn't actually lotion. It's like this um, topical pain reliever thing. Uh, but I broke my, when I broke my foot in Germany on tour, uh, I, I don't know why someone would give me a topical pain re reliever when like I, my foot is, my, my bones are broken, but regardless, they thought it would help. And they gave me this like 
this uh, bottle, of, uh, this like, tube of like of of uh, of of cream that you know pain relief cream, but it was called Dick Lack. D I C K L A C was called yep, Dick Lack. Exactly what I thought. We're like, oh, you got you're, you're suffering from Dick Lack. We can solve that. Like stupid, like twenty year old boy humor. Uh, it was ridiculous. Oh, I'm twenty year old um, boy. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, um, the yeah. So the whole Bill Burr skit was basically you know his wife is black. So I think he was talking about his wife. He's talking about you know maybe she, they weren't married yet at the time this went far. But he's like, yeah, well, you know, it was I was um. Uh, Dating his black chicken before she goes out, she starts putting all this lotion on, and I'm like, "Why are you doing that?" And she's like, "Well, I don't want to be ashy." She's like, "What's ashy?" She's like, "What?" Are you? And she's like, "And and and he's like, oh, I don't have to do with it. I don't have to do. I don't have to wear, but I don't get ashy." She's like, "You totally get ashy." She's like, "No, I don't." And he like, she like grabs his arm and like runs her fingers down it, and he's like, he, "He's one of the funniest people alive." And he's describing like flakes flying off and like she's drawing and you know, and he's like, "Oh wow." I'm actually, I need lotion, right? So it's like, so it's about how white people don't, white men specifically don't know that you could use lotion other places than your, than your junk, right? Yeah. And, yeah. That, that is a learned uh, experience. So <laughs> fast forward a few years to, this is a couple, this is a few years back, but I, I, uh, little TMI here, but I, I tend to prefer um, to be in relationships um, with people to be intimate, right? And I had gone through a stretch without having a girlfriend for a while. And I was like, I need to get back in the, in the game, but I don't know. And I met this lady and she was very forward with me. And we decided, you know, we're going to get together. But I kind of was worried she'd be a little bit um, too much and I'd chicken out. So I like proposed, I was like, hey, why don't we just get a hotel room on Priceline? You know, like, like this way, like I'm stuck in my mind. I'm like, I'll be stuck with her. Like I can't really back out at that point. You know what I mean? And it, Totally worked. Um, oh wow, good good reference to Priceline. I, yeah, I feel like that gives it a an yeah. Uh, so the funny thing was, is the Wheels of Soul, which is the black biker gang in the air, in Philadelphia area, and I guess all over. One of the members was getting married that weekend, and so the hotel was filled with members of this black biker gang. And I actually, when I was a bouncer, you know, you hear bouncers and birders. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I worked for some of those guys. Uh, one of them was named, I don't know his real name. His name Beast. <laughs> that, and, that was his real name. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so um, I actually was like looking out for him. If he was going to be at the hotel. Yeah. I was like, look around, you know, and then if one guy saw me looking at him, I was like, oh, I was like, hey man, sorry. Uh, I'm about I do security with somebody of your, of your club. And. I thought you might be someone I reckon uh, I, I knew, but I don't know. And he was, he was cool with it. I was like, all right. So, and you know, these guys are all in their colors, you know, they were wearing their like, you know, their jet, their leather jackets and their denim vest with the, with the rocker in the back of it, you know? So he's two really tough, burly dudes. Although they're very nice and polite for my dealings with them, but still like they're a biker gang. Like, you know, like they drive Harleys, they wear leathers, you know, the whole nine. And the next morning, as I'm going to the, the continental breakfast i get on the elevator and it's it's just me and, the, and this woman and it's full of these this black biker gang and they all smelled phenomenal Ooh, because they had all just slathered themselves with lotion <laughs> you know it's like 7 38 in the morning right oh, they yeah. had just covered themselves head to toe in like shea butter cocoa butter yeah I was you know to say, so like you got you got blessed by the butter so like you could be the biggest scariest 
biker gang guy in the world, but if you're a black dude, you still slather yourself a lotion every morning. You got to be clean. Smelling. Got to be clean in the game. Smelling wonderful. Oh, yes, absolutely. Not a dry spot on my body. Um, But since we're in quarantine, I relaxed that. Uh, I haven't gotten a haircut since March, and I think I put on lotion because I had a Zoom call the other day. (laughs) I was just on my face. So, um, yeah. Definitely adjusting from the regular upkeep and maintenance of this treasured face by some. Um, How would you say um, you use lotion today? Uh, I've learned that it can go um, other parts of my body than 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 what I used it when I was in my you know teenager years. Um, How have we grown? How have we grown? Yeah, because well, as we all know, all people get ashy. Facts. But when you're extensively tattooed, oh. much like if you have dark skin, the ashiness becomes. You get more- perpetrated against the police more. <laughs> is that is that the is that the connection or was it? Oh, the lotion, lotion. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, perhaps both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to think tattoos might might get you in more trouble with the law. Maybe used to, but um, I found that like with me, um, the um, when I cut my dreads is when like I was like. Oh, you are now. You are now like a um, normal member of society. Because every time I would come back from anywhere traveling with dreadlock, with my dreads, I'd get um, it'd be like, you know, I just basically had a bunch of time into it. It's like, okay, I'm coming back into the country. Mm-hmm. Now I got to go get like searched because they see me with dreads. They're gonna be like, this guy has drugs. Yep, <laughs> and they're gonna just you know check and, you out. Give you yeah, a so pass. but I'm still covered in tattoos. So when I cut my hair, I was like, um. I was like, oh, you know, um, I'm still covered in tattoos. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still gonna get fucked with it. I remember I came back from somewhere the first time with with short hair, and like the customs guy was like, "Welcome home, sir," and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> well, I mean, he's a fan. Yeah. Well, I remember one time uh, coming back from Rebel Tour. Um, I got searched and they found an Osama bin Laden mask in my bag. And so we had found this in Thailand. We're on tour. We found it in Thailand. So we bought yeah, it. Of course, I mean, obviously the money's not going to the Taliban, right? I mean, it's not going to like Al Qaeda. It's just like, as far as we so know. I made it. Yeah. And so like I, I bought it and like, and so we would like, basically, you know, we're anarch- we were anarchist band. It's not like we like terrorists. Fuck, we hate them even more than like you know the the man, right? You know, like we, we don't like terrorists either. Fuck those guys, especially the Taliban and Al Qaeda. Yeah. We hate them, right? So we would dress up. So we you know we do theatrics when we play. We dress someone up like Osama and we beat them up. You know, so as we would George Bush. You know what I mean? Like this is how we do. It so was I, a different time. So this is the early two thousands, and I come back uh, literally in Newark Airport, like the airport, like the planes left from two of the you know planes left from and this customs guy pulls this Osama bin Laden mask out of my bag and I'm just like oh my god I'm I'm screwed I'm like what the hell are they gonna do to me yeah I don't feel like you have a good explanation for that in 60 seconds well dude guess what (laughs) before when when you're on a band of tours and you don't have um proper um you don't have proper um paperwork right because like you know we've made some money but like generally our money, we just got recycled back in our plane tickets into like our van and everything or the next tour, right? Like we weren't really making that much money. Um, and it wasn't like often worth doing a proper paperwork because 
you know, you're, you know, by the time you do that, you get taxed, you know, you're losing money, right? So mm-hmm. we basically had a lie at every border to say why we're in that country, you know? So uh-huh. I'm, so my mind is still kind of like used to like giving a false story as, but I'm like, wait, no, I'm coming home. Right. I'm coming yeah. back to America. So yeah. when the guy pulled out the mask and was like, he just mm-hmm. looked at me, <laughs> I went, I'm in a band. We're called Rambo. We dress someone up in this and we beat them up every night on stage. And the guy's like, cool. <laughs> nice. It's true. It was, you mm-hmm. know, it's funny how the truth, you know, sometimes the truth works. I was like, oh. I can tell him the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, do you still have that mask today? No, but I used to have the shirt. You can see photos of it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the other members of Rambo still have, we all bought them in Thailand. It's a, it, it's a shirt with a big red heart on it. And mm-hmm. in the heart, uh, like the two, you know, lobes of the heart and like the point, each has a face and it's Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein and George Bush all in this big red heart. It's like the funniest shirt you've ever seen. Well, I'm sure that that will be a tale you can go into further on Birding Punk's really great show that we yeah. have as well. Um, I'm really enjoying this, Tony. This is this is really great. I mean, I'm excited for a lot of reasons today, not just because I have working technology um, and experiencing the limitations of the challenges of meeting those uh, or meeting those. The limitations of meeting those challenges of technology is definitely mm. of recent memory and feeling. Um, but today is also a good day uh, for for me because oh man what am i oh i'm making tacos that's what tacos. it was oh yeah. i'll make a tacos too oh shoot man i'm what kind of tacos you making so uh my girlfriend and i were really good at like cooking and then like using the leftovers for other meals so we made a uh, buttered chicken and rice and then on a separate day we did like a lentil and bean soup mm. we still have leftover beans leftover butter chicken and rice So we're going to make tacos because we always have tortillas. We always like to toast them and maybe put some butter on them. And uh, we got some radishes we've been pickling. We're just going to throw it all together. We're really just been throwing all these things all together, you know. And um, it actually makes me think of a good philosophy you gave me a long time ago when you were telling me how you – operated in bands especially you know with rambo you always did the thing that no one else wanted to do and that that was like your contribution because everyone can probably do the same three things but maybe some people don't want to do this thing or that thing over there and it's like a special kind of communication that her and i have where we know what we want to do when we get into the kitchen sometimes we plan it out sometimes we don't and we figure it out we have a clean kitchen and full bellies at the end you know yeah nice Awesome. I'll make, uh, I'm making, uh, you know, more or less barbacoa. Introduce me. Uh, barbacoa is like a Mexican, um, barbecue. So it's, you know, it's like, you know, like think about, you know, like fall off the bones, you know, like kind of like pulled pork, but beef, you know, um, like super, you know, cooked brisket or whatever. so much so that like the, um, you know the the fiber. You know you get to the point where you you pull it apart. It's just the fibers of the of the of the meat. You know, and um and you. Oh you know, wow, that sounds uh, beautiful. How are you getting? Sh- well, you generally uh, slow cook it. For, you know, yeah. um, like you smoke it or you know or a slow cooker or whatever. Uh, but I use the instant pot pressure cooker. It does it in an hour and it's delicious. So. Oh, you have a pressure cooker, dude. You gotta get it instant pot. Did you get married to get one of those? 
It was one of our wedding gifts, but... Um, oh, man. See, see, I feel like some things only exist as wedding gifts, not as real gifts. Like, it's, I can't uh, buy one. I'm not married. Um, it's worth every penny. It's only just over 100 bucks worth every penny. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a really good... That's really yeah, good. but my slow cooker gets no love anymore. It's all, it's <laughs> wow. all else. Well, you know, if you're looking for some love for a slow cooker, you know, I'm just down the street. So. <laughs> um, do you have a slow cooker either? I have a slow cooker, but it only holds uh, nine ounces of fluid. <laughs> so nine ounces? Yeah, yeah. I use it for bacon fat. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know why I bought it. It was ten dollars at, uh. at at uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, and they were having yeah. a clearance sale, so it was like seven dollars. And I was like, mm. I would buy a crock pot for seven dollars, but again, it's nine ounces. It can barely boil water, <laughs> but it's there. You know. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend the Instapot. Um, yeah, man, that sounds great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, can you? Are you in a, a situation where you could really bird at all? Um, are you? So, are you? Are you? So, I mean, you're you're recovering from injury and you're quarantined, so. Yeah. So the the challenges I'm I'm facing with uh, birding is mostly FOMO. Because uh, a lot of folks that live around me, you know, I'm right by a park too, and I get all the rare bird, e-bird alerts, you know, of all these things that are kind of nearby to me that I could potentially go to to go see or, um, you know, check out. And um, I have detached from that feeling of oh, I should go to that thing because it, when I broke my ankle in January. I was already prepared in eight to 10 month recovery phase where I probably wouldn't be out and about at full strength until um, November. So, you know, anything short of that, I'm, I'm lucky to be out, but with quarantine, you know, being the case, keeping a lot of folks in, um, I, I don't have as much FOMO as, as I would, but I have been able to pay attention more to field guides. Um, still, and I still, I, I find that I'm actually talking and learning about b- birds more in my personal time, you know, in, in reading resources online or, or going through Sibley than I have in the field because most of the time I've been in the field, at least of the last two two years of, you know, I've kind of been infrequent uh, or, or for work. And so it was just, it's been really great now just to really like hone in on, on craft. Um, and I realized that my strength isn't, or at this point, my strength doesn't need to be focusing on um, ornithological level expertise of a bird. I just need to be good with beginners. You know, if I can get beginners excited about, this hobby, this recreational activity. Um, if I can make it accessible to them in a way that's really creative and engaging, something that makes a good impression, that's something that I want to do. Um, and that, I don't think that's always going to require, you know, knowing the difference between an Arctic turn and a Forester's turn. But if you do know the difference, that is fascinating, you know. And if you do get a chance to go out and see both, uh, can you see both at the same time? Um I have um, uh, a couple of times. Um, so when Arctic terns are migrating, and they tend to migrate offshore, mm-hmm. um, but if you um, are uh, like at Cape May Point or somewhere like that, or like some kind of, I, I assume like Cape Ann or somewhere, and well, I think actually Arctic terns breed in a, 
Arctic terns breed farther south than their name suggests. And so I think their breeding ranges overlap with foresters. Uh, although foresters, I believe, breed in marshes um, in common ter- in Arctic uh, breed and well, like, beaches or like islands or like gravel uh, banks and like Arctic rivers and whatnot. Um, and, um, but I think they, uh, their breeding regions get pretty close. It, they might actually overlap in, in like the, the larger scale as in like they might overlap within a state or within like a, you know, a County, um, you know, forces being in turns and the, uh, forces being in marshes in the Arctic on the, I can just look at a field guide for this. Probably I have a million right here uh, or the, uh, in uh, Arctic offshore, but, uh, in, on an Island or whatever, but the, um, they definitely overlap in migration. So, um, in Cape May, the, uh, foresters will be the dominant turn in the rips where the Delaware Bay meets the Atlantic ocean. There's these, um, you know, crazy currents and, and there's often like bait fish schools in there and, and dolphins. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, you see mostly foresters turns, but then mixed in will be uh common and very rarely, you know, you'll get a, uh, Arctic and, and the roseate turns as well. Uh, I've also seen Arctic turn um, on the Delaware River after a nice. hurricane. They got blown oh, in. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if you're in a, a boat offshore, like doing a pelagic trip at the spring or fall, um, you can see Arctic. Although you, generally you wouldn't see foresters that far out. Um, they're more, much more inshore. Yeah. Um, but um, there's potential there as well. So, You know, one thing I've been trying to do, I've been trying to, because thinking about the, the difference between the two, I've been trying to ask myself, have I seen that bird before? And sometimes I'm finding that the answer is perhaps because of you and all the birding I did with you, Matt, Dan, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> and, and Bull. Um, it's just like yes, all those adventures and, you know, so many you know great bird sightings as well. And also I went to that uh, uh, bird education camp in Hogs Island in, in Maine. Um, so I have shorebirds that I just don't remember because I didn't keep an e-bird list. I might actually hit somebody up who was there. Um, well, um, you should have got Arctic turn in, uh, Maine. Okay. You they read so. there. Yeah. They're, they're not as, uh, I mean, they certainly are in the Arctic and, mm-hmm. uh, um, but they, um, um, but they, um, they come much farther South than, you know, you, uh, you know, it looks like the they've come as far south as Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and then, interestingly, it looks like there's a population in the Puget Sound, which I didn't realize there was. Oh, which is interesting. Um, but the Forster's turn looks like they get as far north as Connecticut, so they get very close. Okay, okay, good to know. Good yeah. to know. Um, but yeah, birding in quarantine with recovering ankle has been. Um, definitely. And also I'm not doing it in my apartment. I'm quarantined with my girlfriend and, and I'm, you know, very fortunate for that. So a lot of things are just like me adjusting to new things, like new levels of, uh, flexibility in my ankle, new levels of, uh, you know, I mean, the weather has been, you know, great and, and rainy. And I, and I think the rain is good, of course, but um, I, I haven't really felt the inclination to go out. I do have a pretty good front porch where I can look out. And uh, the other day, I actually had a great blue heron from the front porch because I saw it flying over to oh, nice. Creek Park. Um, and that was something I really enjoyed because it took me a while to see it. 
because for a while there was a bunch of turkey vultures up, saw a couple fish crows and, you know, you, you scan the area and you get used to seeing what you're seeing. And then when you see that one thing, that's just a little different, that's where something special happens. And, you know, I saw a great blue heron. I got the binoculars to my girlfriend and, you know, it was easy to see. It was like, you see the wings and then you see the little legs and little, little face coming out, little, little, little bill. Well, not little, but, um, you know, it looks so different from everything else that's flying around. And it was just like a really cool moment. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I've been getting out as you can imagine, cause I live right next to the park <laughs> and I'm not laid up. So it's been pretty good. Although, you know, I don't drive. Um, yeah. And I mean, do you I, run into anybody when you go out and do a little walk? Do you ever see anybody? I ran into my friend. I ran into actually not my friend. I'm sorry. I would like it to be my friend. We're probably friends theoretically acquaintances. This guy, Liam, um, Hart, he's a very younger, he's like 29, a really, 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 really sharp birder um, in the area. And uh, he's actually got me some birds um, for my yard because um, he lives in Germantown, which is south of me. Um, and we'll report like, brawling hawks migrating over Germantown. And then I'll go out my, my yard, into my yard and look up and there's a brawling hawk. So I owe him. Um, he actually got me brawling hawks twice. Uh, he Twice he reported uh, brawling hawks in Germantown. Twice I went out and saw them. Although he's been reporting loons flying over uh, and I keep not getting loons. <laughs> um, but uh, one time I went out uh, looking for brawling hawks, not see a brawling hawk, um, but I got a, uh, a tree swallow, which you would not think would be hard for me to get, but for some reason, um, wow, I, they don't fly over my house. So now I, I, I want to do an episode with um, George Armistead and I want to talk about Philly birds um, and, and some of them, I think we already know, but, you know, I think outside of the city limits of Philadelphia, you can call it an affiliated woodpecker, but when you see it in the city limits of Philadelphia, it's an affiliated woodpecker. Is that correct? <laughs> in the same it. way that in Philadelphia or outside of Philadelphia, you would call it a broad wing hawk, but in Philadelphia, it's called a broad street hawk. Isn't that correct? You know it. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I, I would love to talk more about Philadelphia birds, especially uh, the Philadelphia warp, uh, vireo, right? Uh, yes, Philadelphia vireo. And that uh, had, uh, it was first seen with a cheesesteak and an Eagles jersey on the Liberty <laughs> Bell, and that's how they knew. Um, <laughs> that's how Audubon knew <laughs> what to name it. Audubon named all the birds, of course. Um, well, Tony, this has been really, really great. Um, I think we're getting close to a good amount of time to, to put a stop on this. Um, yeah. I want to maybe start a regular weekly. Like I would love to promote this as, Hey, you know, the weekly brothers and birding, you know, like weekly episodes coming out, you know, and if we have a guest or if we have somebody who wants to co-host with us, you know, so be it. Um, but I was, I, I'm, I'm thinking that we might get, we might be ready to do some, um, yeah, that, Some that weeklies, be, but you know, let's figure out how the schedule falls through because you're not expected to be in a physical building for work at least until the fall, right? No, I, 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 I I'm assuming that as soon as the um, quarantine's over, I'll have to report to my one normal workstation, and uh, and um, I'm assuming I'll be going back sometime in in uh, June. 
Okay. Um, but I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I assume that's my assumption. Although I'll be taking time off in July, obviously, when the baby comes. But of course, uh, as you should. Well, although, but that'll make me obviously uh, my time a lot more limited. Um, Understandable. Uh, yeah. You know, that's why I want to see what we can work out. Uh, you know, yeah. keep keep doing it for the fans. Um, yeah, I gotta keep making more videos too. Because <laughs> this is just really fun, and I'm again just really glad that we can do this. And yeah. Just finding a way to do it and keeping it fun is is what we both want to do. Indeed, we're getting uh, some traction uh, on our YouTube channel finally. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody should like and subscribe on all our, all the podcasts. But uh, yeah, the uh, um. Um, we're up to almost 300 views on that, uh, video I made of the, uh, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the, uh, the bird stole shorts, the bird reviews. And I'm going to probably try to make one a week of those. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, and I'd love to see, uh, you know, you make more videos too, if you can, although oh, it's hard for you cause you're indoors and stuff. But, yeah. Uh, so a lot of mine is, uh, you know, my videos are a little more an- uh, animated yeah. and produced with, you know, all these graphics and stuff because. Yeah, that's what I have. To but do. I love it. You know, I love it. Keep it up, mm-hmm. uh, please. Um, one of these days, hopefully tomorrow, the next day, I'll, I can get somewhere to mail you that package. I've been promising you. No, no, no. All good, man. I'm oh, the longer rush. the thing is, is you should get this, you know, some of the stuff while you're still laid up um, or can't get out because it'd be nice for you. Uh, but the other thing is the longer I wait, probably the more stuff I put in it. So, um, <laughs> wow. Well, that happened once. I had his pen pal in England and we were sending each other mm-hmm. records mm-hmm. and I took it took me like over a year maybe to send him my package and by the time i did it was it was like so full of stuff i sent him so much stuff and he was like dude that was worth the wait like because i said it was, it oh, was wow. like so much good stuff so man anyway. you're really building the hype for this this is something yeah. that tony's been talking about for i think a month now yeah well, it was not that much stuff to be honest there's a couple things you know but oh, like either way it's ambiguous it's exciting and the suspense is building yeah Cool. Well, I love you very much, my brother. Uh, and everybody should like and subscribe, uh, share, let us know, um, give us some feedback, give us some suggestions, uh, listen to the other content on the channel. Anything you got to add to the signing off, Techie? No, sir. Just I love you too, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. All right. Bye.